You're listening to Weird Medicine with Dr. Steve on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. I've got diphtheria crushing my esophagus. I've got Ebola virus dripping from my nose. I've got the leprosy of the heart valve exacerbating my incredible woes. I want to take my brain out and blast it with the wave, an ultrasonic echographic and a pulsating shave. I want a magic pill for all my ailments, the health equivalent of Citizen Kane. And if I don't get it now in the tablet, I think I'm doomed and I'll have to go insane. I want a requiem for my disease, so I'm paging Dr. Steve. Dr. Steve! It's Weird Medicine, the first and still only uncensored medical show in the history of broadcast radio, now a podcast. I'm Dr. Steve. With my delightful wife, Tacey, the queen of mean, the vicar of liquor, she who, unlike Lady Diagnosis, will do absolutely nothing. Nothing. For a bottle of expensive wine, but will still demand that I buy it for Demand her. it. <laughs> this is a show for people who would never listen to a medical show on the radio or the internet. Hello, honey. Hello, Steve. If you have a question you're embarrassed to take to your regular medical provider, if you can't find an answer anywhere else, give us a call at 347-766-4323. That's 347-POOHEAD. Check us out on Twitter at Weird Medicine. Visit our website at drsteve.com for podcasts, medical news, and stuff you can buy, or go to our merchandise store at cafepress.com slash weirdmedicine. Most importantly, we are not your medical providers. Take everything you hear with a grain of salt. Don't act on anything you hear on this show without talking over with your doctor, nurse practitioner, physician assistant, chiropractor, uh, yoga master, acupuncturist, physical therapist, clinical laboratory scientist, registered dietitian, or whatever. Okay. Um, very good. So don't forget to go to stuff.drsteve.com, stuff.drsteve.com for all of your Amazon needs. really makes a huge difference, and uh, thank you for using that anytime you go to Amazon. And uh, tweakedaudio.com. I had a person email me today saying uh, they had a, had a um, sale at tweakedaudio.com. They got X number percent off. And they used offer code fluid and still got 33% off that. So those people are crazy. And I, by cra- those people, I mean the people at tweakedaudio.com. I've never seen anybody give away a discount like that. And their stuff's already really reasonably priced. So check it out. Tweakedaudio.com for the best earbuds for the price on the market and the best customer service anywhere bar none. Use offer code fluid for 33% off your order. If you want to uh, get to your ideal body weight while you're sitting there eating and drinking too much uh, during self-isolation, go to noom.drsteve.com. It's N-O-O-M, as in Mary, .drsteve.com. And uh, it's, um, it's a great weight loss program, but it's not a diet. It's a psychology program. You'll get two weeks off and 20% off if you decide to continue. And it's only a three-week program or a three-month program. Yes, I'm going to need some tweaked audio earbuds for my trip tomorrow. Oh, really? Okay. Well, I bet... You bought me some for Christmas, but I haven't seen them. I think they've been confiscated. (laughs) You think the boys got them? Yes. Well, I'll get you some. I'll get you some today. Just remind me when we get off. Oh, I also am going to need some things downloaded onto my iPad. No problem. I can help you with that as well. Uh, we'll, I'm um, also going to need a ride to the airport. You got it. Okay. That I can do. Uh, and I'm also going <laughs> to need Jesus. some money. <laughs> <laughs> what, whatever you like, honey. I'm there for you. Check out Dr. Scott's website at simplyherbals.net, too. Um, if you'd like archives of this show, you can go to drsteve.com. There's a link there for $30. You get a 32-gig um, flash drive with 17 gigs of shows. Who wouldn't want that? I don't know why anybody would want it, but we've had a few maniacs get it, and I appreciate it. Hey, let's talk about Mother's Day real quick. I made you a strawberry cake. You are the best Mother's Day giver of all. <laughs> My day was so glorious. I had gumbo, I had strawberry cake with cream cheese icing with real strawberries in it. Yeah, it was the first cake I've ever made in my whole life. I had attention, 
I have a Mother's Day necklace that was homemade by this lady who makes jewelry, and it's beautiful. You could say her name. I guess we could give her a plug. I can't remember her name. It's Kyle Light Lester. Let me see. I don't know how to spell her last I name, though. I don't either. I think it's L-E-S-T-E-R. L-E-I-S-T-E-R, maybe? But she only sells stuff at the one place, and then everybody oh, knows right? where we live. Yes. Okay, so it's um, Kyle Leist- Lester. Leister. L-E-I-S-T-E-R, all one word, dot com. And you can just look up Art of the Jewel. Oh, God, look at that. Oh, I'm glad you didn't want that one. Holy oh, I moly. do. I'm going to next year. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she does custom jewelry, and it's crazy-looking stuff, and it's really, really cool. And uh, anyway, so, yep, that was good. And uh, that was the first cake I've ever made. It was Fabulous, and I can't believe you've never made a cake before. I'm quite the amateur chef, but I've never made a cake before from scratch. And uh, I've, you know, I've made pancake—not well, pancakes, but uh, cakes in the what do you call them in the tray? Sheet cakes. I made cakes those. of pan. Cake, cakes of pan. I've made those before, but uh, I've never actually made a layer cake from scratch. And it was fun to do, and I saw a lot of things that I could do better next time, including how to frost that damn thing. That's uh, I, that's difficult. Did for those me. dang kids eat the rest of that? Uh, no, there should be two pieces okay, left. Okay, I'm going to be so pretty anyway. pissed if it's gone. Yeah, now cheesecake, I got it figured out, but uh, cake, cake, very difficult for me. Or, well, just a new thing. So I, I look forward, and if you have know anybody that needs me to make them a damn cake taste, let me know because I'll make it for them. Me. Of course, if you keep making cakes and cheesecakes, then. We're going to be talking about weight loss every freaking show, (laughs) which is what we should be talking about anyway. Noom.drsteve.com. Noom.drsteve.com. So, yeah, let's talk about you uh, um, participating in reopening by flying tomorrow. Now, our buddy Dave Landau has been flying to Detroit to see his family every weekend. And uh, so far, so good. No problems. So I think a lot of the... um, Airports are pretty quiet. Our friend Dan, who is um, involved in air traffic control, uh, says that their volumes have been down, but I think they're starting to pick back up again some. I've been reading a lot about how they're canceling flights, so that would be great. I've also, um, I did get an email today saying that you are required to wear a mask, so I do feel better about that. Good. Well, that, right. And again, the mask, isn't to so much to protect you from other people it's to protect other people from you if you happen to be an asymptomatic carrier and uh, you cough into the mask presumably it will reduce transmission to a certain extent and any even a small percentage will help Um, when there were only 100 cases in the united states it didn't make sense to wear masks that's why they recommended people don't wear masks in the early days of this but now that we've, you know, we've got uh, thousands and thousands and thousands of cases, it does make more sense, particularly with the uh, presumed high asymptomatic rate. Um, you know, wearing a mask in a place like an airport or in an airplane hopefully will reduce transmission. So uh, why didn't you just drive? Well, My friend that does this drive a lot said that she has had trouble finding bathrooms in gas stations on the interstate. Okay. The bathrooms are closed. Yeah. And that is not something a 40, I don't know, six-year-old woman wants to deal with on the interstate. If if I have to pee, I have to pee. I can't. Yeah, it's not like you can just hold a Coke bottle up like a guy can. No, and I can't drive around. I mean, I would just pee on myself. I just can't. So it's worth the ticket to me to do that. And plus, with all the uncertainty going on right now, I really was a a little bit afraid to drive you know everybody says well i can get there in six hours i just don't think so i've never gotten there in less than seven and a half but yeah that's just what people say so well that's reasonable so what i want you to do is to take some uh you can't take the big thing of clorox wipes but you could put some in a ziploc okay and if you have to go into the bathroom you know use them judicious or not judiciously liberally in the stall i'm sure in the in uh places like 
airports, they're cleaning those bathrooms pretty frequently, but still, you know, okay. people are gross. Yes. And I hear, I've never been in the women's bathroom, but I hear women aren't that much better than men as far as just being gross in the bathroom. Sometimes not. I, I do have to say, most of the time, they really do keep the airport yeah, bathrooms they do. They do. clean. So. And they have those little... Uh, um, <clears throat> things as you go out where that you can touch and, and rate the bathroom. Yeah, touch the bathroom side wall <laughs> as you're walking out. Right, <laughs> no, right. thank you. Right. It should yeah. just be nice, and that's how it is, and you shouldn't have to rate it. That's hilarious. Yeah, you just wash your hands. Yeah, let's And now they want this. you to touch this thing that other people who haven't washed their hands have touched. Mm-hmm. And they took the doors out so you wouldn't ever have to touch a door because people are nasty. So they took the doors out of the women's bathroom? Well, I mean, uh, uh, to go into the bathroom. Oh, okay. You know, you can wash your hands and walk all the <laughs> That's way out. That's not what I no, thought no, no, you no. said at Yeah, all. not in the stalls. Yeah. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> Bunch of people just squatting. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, those, they're touchless um, entry. But just by having sort of a labyrinthine uh, entrance, you don't have to put a door on it. So, I mean, I have the kind of anxiety that alcohol won't kill yeah. you know what i mean yeah uh, um well you want to do some square breathing no okay i'll just drink this one here. <laughs> okay we have talked about square breathing for uh anxiety before and uh, one of my favorite apps that incorporates square breathing is trip it's a virtual reality app on quest and oculus go that's right, everybody. You heard that. We're big into virtual reality here now. Yeah. We sure are. Well, we certainly are. And uh, But the Trip app is very therapeutic, and it's inexpensive. And you can actually, and I get nothing for this, so I can say this um, without uh, looking like I'm biased in some way. Uh, they They liked the interview that we did with their founder so much that they put out a code and if you use the code dr steve dr steve no spaces dr steve no spaces you get twenty percent off and it's already an inexpensive app and they change it every day and um <clears throat> if you're having anxiety, the trip app is a great app to non pharmacologically and non-alcoholically uh, decrease your anxiety state. No fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's so much fun to get hammered and then wake up with a, ha- with a hangover. Though. Yeah, at 4.30 in the morning, so <laughs> I need to be very careful. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm driving you too, right? Well, you said you were. I, well, I will. He's such a nice man. He is driving me at the crack of dawn to the airport. And yeah. He doesn't have to do that. I would call it the crack of ass. It's very early. (laughs) And uh, yes, but I I have stuff I need to do tomorrow. So that'll force me to get up and do some things before the day gets started. So I'm I'm totally cool doing that. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you. All right. Have you do you have anything for us this week or are we just going to proceed? Okay. I'm not your little puppet anymore. (laughs) Okay. You're listening to Weird Medicine. Hey, Tace, let's uh, take a minute to talk about a new sponsor to the show, DeepDiscount.com. It's a great site to buy movies, TV shows, music, and so much more at really great prices. I'm talking classics from back in the day, hard-to-find titles, and new ones, too. The best part is the prices are incredible and the choices are endless. Look, we're all doing our best to stay inside, so check out DeepDiscount.com. Grab your favorites to keep you company during this time. Watch what you want when you want. No more wasted time searching and searching, bad edits, sitting through endless commercials, all that malarkey. Just stop. Go buy your favorite titles, add them to your home collection, and own them forever. You'll find so many great titles, including many with bonus features like interviews and extra footage that you just don't get when you rant or stream. Go see for yourself at deepdiscount.com. You'll always find new releases at Deep Discount, too. Out this week... 
Oh, your favorite taste, Blumhouse's Fantasy Island. I love Blumhouse. <laughs> if it's Blumhouse, I am all in. <laughs> I, know, I don't care what people may say about Blumhouse. I love horror movies. I love anything with a twist or a turn or a scare. I love it. I love it. And I love Blumhouse, and I can't get enough of it. Yeah, those are just kind of fun. They the are fun. They're just fun. I mean, you know, they're not the most intellectual thing, but oh. that's not what you're always going are they for not? for would a it, movie. Would you... That would be interesting if they had a very literary Blumhouse film. <laughs> I don't know what it would be. You know, I mean, but, a scholarly horror movie. I don't. I don't see it. But Blum, I, Blumhouse's Richard the Third. If it is Blumhouse, I am all in. Yep. And they've got um, another Blumhouse movie, Truth or Dare, out. Is that right? No, I have not Mm -hmm. seen that. I do not think that I have either, and I do think that we must. Okay. Well, this Fantasy Island is a reworked TV series from back in the day. It becomes a quirky horror tale when five guests' ultimate fantasies turn into nightmares thanks to Blumhouse Productions. Fantasy Island is available now on DVD and Blu-ray for a great price. Who would have thought to make Fantasy Island into a horror movie. You know, I never watched it. In the show, did things turn out wrong sometimes? Sometimes, yeah. Okay. yeah. They would want one thing, but they would get something else that would teach them something, and they would go away a better person. And oh. this one, they go away cut in half sometimes. <laughs> so, <laughs> support our, so fun. <laughs> support our sponsor and own your passion. Thanks, Deep Discount. Thanks, Deep Discount. You're listening to Weird Medicine. Number one thing, don't take advice from some asshole on the radio. Well, let's just answer some questions for once, then. Okay. How about that? Um, I do have one thing that is not an audio question. Someone emailed, and it wasn't really a question. It was a statement, and it was an awesome statement. Uh, they said at Henry Ford Hospital, is Henry Ford Health, uh, Health System in uh, Detroit, which is where I was born, by the way, um, they're doing a thing called Whip COVID nineteen, and it's very clever. These these uh, trial names are always very clever. It's will hydroxychloroquine impede or prevent COVID nineteen? So that came out W H I P. So Whip COVID nineteen. It's a study. It's three thousand subject look at whether hydroxychloroquine prevents frontline workers from contracting the COVID nineteen virus. It's a randomized double-blinded study designed to produce scientific answer to the question, does it work? Henry Ford Health System is one of the region's uh, major academic medical centers with more than $100 million in annual research funding, is also involved in numerous COVID-19 trials with partners around the world. Uh, participation is completely voluntary, and their forms are on the website. And I volunteered. I'm just letting you know. I don't know if they're doing anything outside of uh, Michigan, but uh, I volunteered, and it's henryford.com slash whip, which is W-H-I-P hyphen COVID hyphen one nine. And uh, we'll, maybe if I think of it, I'll put this on the website at drsteve.com. And uh, you have to fill out uh, a form that took me literally a minute and a half to fill out, and then you give them your name and your phone number and email address, and then they supposedly uh, reach out to you and let you know if you've been chosen to participate. So that's pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah. And then, of course, it says, will I get paid to be part of this study? It says there's no compensation for being part of the WIP COVID-19 study, which there should not be. These should be uh, volunteers, not paid volunteers. happy to do it on your own. Yeah. Well, and you may get active drug. You may get a placebo. You just never know, but you'll be you'll be advancing human knowledge, which is a big deal. So, okay, so that's the whip thing. Let's see what else we got here. Um, how about? Um, oh, yes. Okay, so there was this trial of lopinavir, ritonavir, which is an HIV drug, in adults hospitalized with severe COVID nineteen. And it really showed no benefit. It said uh, this was a Chinese study, and um, they were all people who had a low oxygen saturation, and uh, they were randomly assigned assigned in a one-to-one ratio to receive either lopinavir or ritonavir. 
uh, twice a day for 14 days in addition to standard care or standard care alone. So there wasn't a placebo, but it was a comparison against standard care. And uh, they don't tell whether they matched those that cohort very well. And it was 199 patients with laboratory-confirmed SARS-CoV-2 infection, and 99 were assigned to the lopinavir group and 100 to the standard care group. And again, it doesn't show whether there was any matching done. And in these hospitalized patients with severe COVID-19, no benefit was observed with this combination uh, beyond standard care. <clears throat> now, we have advocated for some time they should be looking at people who have early disease before they get to the hospital. Because if we wait till they get to the hospital, we're not preventing hospitalizations, which is the whole th reason that we're doing social distancing, is to prevent an overwhelming of the hospital system, right? So we want something that you can treat people when they're early. Hey, I've got a fever and I'm snotting and I'm coughing. I have this dry cough. Hey, let's do a test. Oops, you got the IgM antibodies or they've got the new antigen test, positive, just sort of like the um, influenza tests that we do. Here you go. Here's your drug X that will prevent hospitalization and prevent death. When we have that, we're back to normal for the most part. You know, then we're back to sort of 2009 influenza pandemic, which um, we had treatment for that, you know, and, and a very few number, although a significant number, I, I don't want to minimize that, but comparatively speaking, few uh, succumbed to that illness. So if we could get it down to those numbers, we go back to normal again. Well, anyway, so uh, lopinavir, ritonavir was tested again with interferon beta-1b, and interferon is a uh, protein that's produced by the body in the presence of viruses and other insults, uh, which is hypothesized to be why you usually only get one virus at a time. You know, once you get one virus, you don't usually don't get another virus at the same time, although there have been some concurrent influences in COVID-19 cases. But anyway... And then they used this other drug, ribavirin, which is also an antiviral drug. And uh, this phase two clinical trial, now phase two clinical trials look at two things, safety and effectiveness, but they're in very small numbers, uh, was successful in treating mild to moderate cases of COVID-19. So this is from Medical News Today. This three-drug combination shortened the duration of viral shedding that is the period during which the virus is detectable in a person's body and transmissible to others. Uh, the results of this new multi-center, prospective, however, open-label, not double-blinded, randomized trial appear in the journal The Lancet. They recruited 127 participants, and they uh, came from six hospitals in Hong Kong, where doctors had uh, tested them for SARS-CoV-2 and obtained positive results. On average, five days passed between the onset of symptoms and the start of treatment with the drug combination. And they randomly assigned 86 of the participants to the group that received the combination and 41 to a control group. So it was like a two-to-one, okay? The combination group, participants took a combination of the, this, these medications, uh, and the treatment lasted for 14 days. In the control group, uh, they did, uh, oh, just the lopinavir and ritonavir, which we've already shown didn't seem to do much by itself. Okay. So the results revealed the three-drug combination was safe and more effective than the lopinavir-ritonavir combination and um, reduced the period of viral shedding and shortened the length of hospital stays. Specifically... They did some swabs of the nose that showed the average time before the virus cleared was seven days in the combination group compared with 12 days in the control group. And uh, side effects were pretty much the same across both groups. So um, this is a phase two study, and but it's a good study for a phase two study. And one thing that they have to look at is, well, maybe it's just the ribavirin, or maybe it's just the interferon that's doing it. Maybe you don't need this uh, HIV drug at all. So, uh, you know, they're going to do some other studies on that as well. So we just study everything. And uh, 
Uh, they'll be going into phase three uh, directly, and we should have some phase three results in about three months. So, all right, not the knockout punch that we were hoping for, but at least nope. something positive. Still looking for uh, data on favipiravir, which is the thing I'm sort of really hoping for right now. It's a single pill. You give it to people uh, when they have mild disease, and see, and if the studies show a good effect again, um, we will be a lot closer to being normal while we're waiting for a vaccine, which will allow us to build up herd immunity quite quickly. All right? All right. And, and all the anti-vaxxers, don't worry about it. We only need about 55% of people to be vaccinated with this particular virus to get us into herd immunity. Uh, more would be a lot better, obviously. But uh, if we have 10% of people that are abstaining, you know what? We'll carry the load for you guys on this one. You know, when I think of an anti-vaxxer, I think just a fun, fun group of people. Yeah, they are fun. Just fun. Load, just loads, loads of fun. and loads of fun. Yep, yep, mm-hmm. yep. Going around, giving everybody <laughs> stuff. It's just fun. Giving people hell. Giving about presents it may, may not be things they want, but, you know, yeah. it's, just, it's just great. Let me carry your burden. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for the opportunity. Well, you know, on this one, I'm, I'm okay with it because I'll gladly stand in line and get the vaccine on this one. Yes. And, I mean, I'll gladly stand in line and get the vaccine on all the rest of them now. When it comes to things like measles, where you've got a an R0, if you remember that number we talked about before, that's the average number of people each case will infect. With measles, the number is 12. And so when you have an R0 of 12, you need about 95% of people to uh, ha- uh, have antibodies to prevent outbreaks. And uh, when when you have... Let's say if you have a 10% of the population are not getting measles vaccines now, we don't have that and we'll have continued measles outbreaks. We actually eradicated measles in this country. And this this person uh, called me a liar online uh, because, oh, well, in that year when you said we eradicated it, we still had X number of cases. It's like, yeah, they all came from somewhere else. There wasn't a single case that was natively transmitted that year, whenever that was, 2000 and something. So uh, measles is something we can eradicate, but we have to stay on top of it because when someone comes uh, into our communities that is transmitting measles, they can transmit it. It's such a wildly communicable disease. they take their whole non-vaccine-getting family to Disney and touch and lick everything. It's not just their family. It's their whole group of of. You know, their community that have decided they're not going to Yeah, they vaccinate. usually hang out in herds. Yes, herds. That's <laughs> what I was going to say, herds. Yeah. So, yeah, but on this one, if we only need, if, it, if the R0 for COVID-19 is truly 2.2, uh, then we really only need um, <clears throat> a little more than half of the people in the country to get vaccinated. We'll be able to hit that pretty easily, I think. I think so, too. And, I think anything should... more than that, it'll it'll reduce the the uh, the duration of this pandemic exponentially. What were you going to say? I think everybody should pump themselves full of all the chemicals that they can find. Yep. I ain't going to pump myself through all them chemicals. Yeah. It's, it's not, they're not chemicals. Or the, the, what, the friend chemicals? that we had that had the... The baby who said she she didn't like the schedule of the shot, so yes. she she made up a better one. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean I'm not saying it's easy to watch your baby get it five sucked. shots. It's horrible. Sucks. And and the kid, I mean it's it's the worst ever. And there has to be a way for them on these kids. Like you and I remember, we had to hold Liam down. And he's screaming because he didn't like being held down in the first place. And then two or three nurses went at him with needles in both legs. Yeah. Do you remember that? I do remember I mean, how could you forget? And I remember the same thing happened with Beck. It was horrible. It was horrible. Yeah. There's got to be a way. And if we ever get Greg Poland, my, uh, my mentor, who's at Mayo now, who is the country's premier vaccinologist, and he was my mentor in residency, the smartest man I've ever met. And that includes my brother, who is a really smart SOB. But Greg Poland is, is, is you know, one of these 250 IQ dudes. 
And he's got a great personality, which is insane. And he's, you know, an attractive guy, which is like, who's ever heard of this? God doesn't give with both hands. That's right. Well, in this case, well, there must be something wrong with him. Something, yeah. You know, impotency. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I have no. no I, I, Let's not start that. I, I can't um, say anything about that. That's uh, Tacy saying that. <laughs> no, I was, no, I was kidding. Of course, it's the one. Of course, um, he's a delightful man. I'm sure he satisfies everyone that he comes in contact of with in every he does. way, in every single way. Uh, but anyway, um, that's something I'd like to ask him: is why they can't take all these shots that these kids have to have. Put them in one vial and just give them one shot. I don't know. <laughs> I know. I don't either. So, uh, or figure out a way to give it orally. The because shots polio is given orally. Don't even get better. I remember the last time that both of our boys got a bunch of shots, and they were like 13 and 12 and or whatever. And, and the first couple of shots they were cool with, but yeah. then towards the end of the day, they were like, F this. <laughs> it was horrible. Yeah. And so we went and got ice cream after, and it just wasn't enough to make up for it. it no. Just, no, I think I gave them both 20 bucks too. <laughs> it doesn't help. No, it's horrible. Here, kid, go buy yourself something nice. If you've just been traumatized. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right. Well, anyway, um, where were we? Don't I don't know. even remember. Oh, yeah. Anti-vaxxers. They're delightful. Delightful, fun people. Um, see, you're going to get me in trouble with the anti-vaxxers the same I'm way sorry. that GVAC used to get me in trouble with the intactivists. And Look, you're sitting in his chair. I don't know anything. I know nothing. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's just my own ignorant opinion. Well, he did it on purpose. Yeah. And he would he would even tweet to me, yeah, that um, circumcision, that's awesome, right, Doctor Steve? And the intactivists <laughs> are all, you know, this and that, right, Doctor Steve? And you're sitting in his chair, and he his portrait is looking well, over your shoulder. I could go on and on about that also, <laughs> because as as I'm, when I was in college, mm-hmm. I worked as a CNA, and and there's nothing worse than helping an 80 year old man who has not been. Yep circumcised clean his penis it hurts them yeah but uh, but that's just again my ignorant opinion i'm sorry well, that's a, that's a very point. informed opinion though because you were there doing it i've uh one thing is is for the, all the cnas out there if you retract someone's foreskin let's say to put in a foley catheter well, a foley catheter is a rubber tube that goes in the meatus of the penis, up the urethra, into the bladder. It's got a balloon on the end of it. You blow it up, and that keeps it in. And uh, you can drain urine that way if someone's got a, a some sort of um, obstruction or something like that. Um, if you retract their foreskin to do that, make sure that you de-retract it. Because if you don't, there's a finite chance, particularly if they've got a little phimosis, which is narrowing of the foreskin or tightening of the foreskin, that when you pull it back, it's going to start cutting off the blood supply to the head of the penis. It's just so many problems. And then it will slough off. So uh, just please, if you're going to retract one and put in a catheter, just de-retract it. You've got to remember to do that. I used to have a protocol taste when I would do um, when a digital block on someone's toe. You have to apply compression. And a lot of people will use rubber bands, right? And so you're numbing up someone's toe so that you can take off their toenail. You have to numb the whole thing up. So you um, uh, go at 10 and 2 with your needle, and then you go circumferentially around the toe. And uh, you don't want to use lidocaine with epinephrine because epinephrine, we've talked about on the show, is a vasoconstrictor, and it will cut off the blood supply to the toe. So don't do that. 
The other thing is, don't forget to take the rubber band off. No. Because if you want your patient's toe to slough off after you've removed their toenail, that's a great way to do it. Like our cat. Do you remember when our cat yep. had blood work? And she's really furry. And so they they had a band around her arm, and um, they didn't take it off, and we didn't see it until her, her arm almost fell off. Yep, yep. That was fun. And uh, fortunately, now she's fine, but she was pretty traumatized by that. And For she's, four years. Well, the other thing that happened concurrently was we got a new puppy, and he drove her crazy. And those two things took, made that cat retreat to our son's room, and she didn't come out of there for, yeah, it was about four years. Four years. And uh, now she's back to normal and driving us crazy again. Yes. <laughs> and I'm, I'm really glad to, that she's you know gotten over that trauma. That was awful. But, yes— you don't want your patient's toe to slough off. So what do you do? You um, use a forceps, and you wrap the rubber band around the toe, but don't not circumferentially. You kind of wrap it around. Uh, how can I say it? Like looping it around so that if you let go of it, it would just fly off, right? Okay. And then you clip it with foreskin, for, no, with foreskin, with your, yes, clip it with your foreskin, flip it with, or, God, <laughs> clip it with forceps so that the forceps are holding it on and, and making the rubber band apply pressure to the toe, like a tourniquet. And that way, there's no way that a patient can put their socks on with that stupid, um, uh, forceps attached to their toe, you know, to the side of their toe. And you will never, ever be able to forget that you put that rubber band on if you do it that way. Well, that's but, good for me to know. That's right. But if you just wrap it around like you would wrapping it around, I don't know, your finger or something like that, uh, then you will forget it one time in a thousand. But one time in a thousand, somebody's toe sloughs off. That's bad. So you want zero times in a thousand for somebody's toe to slough off. Why were we talking about that? Oh, we were talking about foreskins. Yeah. Uh, if you retract your foreskin, de-retract it. Thank you. That's the PSA for the day. All right. Let's take a call here. I'm using a new, a new program to play the calls, and, of course, it's not working. So let's see here. Come on, you bastard. <laughs> oh, there we go. Hey, Dr. Steve, this is Albert from Albuquerque. Hey, Albert. How are you today? Good. How are you, man? Great, great. <laughs> hey, I love your show. I've been listening for a long time. First time caller. I thought this was interesting. Uh, I got a little bit of a family history. My oldest brother um, had a heart attack or two. Um, not a lot of uh, heart issues in the family, uh, direct family, although my uncle, uh, my mom's side, passed away of a heart attack young, and her father also did. Okay. So in talking to my doctor, last time I saw him, uh, I said to him, I said, you know, should we be looking at uh, anything in particular and doing a little more careful screening or anything in particular for me based on my family history? And uh, he said, you know, uh, he, he would like to see if I didn't mind paying for it because insurance won't pay for it, me get a calcium score. Yes. So for 130 bucks or so, I uh, used my HSA and went to the local hospital and got a calcium score done. It was super easy to get done. Oh, yeah. You I got know your, HSA uh, your, to your pay buddy, for it. Uh, you lost him, and you felt that this could have been a preventative measure for him. Absolutely. And uh, so I was kind of apprehensive here in what it could be. I'm a kind of heavier guy and uh, had a mixed lifestyle. Uh, but uh, went to see my doctor, and he said, you know, I'm jealous. Your calcium score was zero. Damn. Good for you. And I said, are you sure this wasn't a bad reading? <laughs> and he said, you know, I know. He said, we do see this. His, his was like an eight. Uh, he said, I'm kind of jealous of you uh, being at this level. Um, but he said, knowing your history, I'm 22 years recovered in alcohol. So I've been sober for 22 years, and uh, he said he's seen a, a fair amount of incidents of recovering alcoholics having lower calcium scores. Um, but the, the the mix with me was when I got off uh, the drinking, um, went in to see my doctor for the first time in, in ages, and uh, started trying to get a little more healthy. My uh, my cholesterol was running a little bit high, so he put me on Crestor for a while. And I, and I got off of that when my cholesterol came down. But I'm just curious, from your aspect, you know, um, is a reduced calcium score in relationship to 
you know, whatever the chemistry happens when you're an alcoholic, you know, and you're abusing your system that way, or the combination of that and the uh, the Crestor coming out of the uh, the alcoholism. Yeah, yeah. Um, if that's a kind of a magic combination, I do I, you know, I, eat pretty healthy and. I, yeah, I don't know about magic combination. There's, he has a strong family history, but he's been mitigating his risk. Uh, particularly, look, it's all about risk mitigation. Taking Crestor and not having a family history improves your risk, but it doesn't make it. It doesn't. It doesn't mean you're immune to coronary artery disease. In other words, if you live long enough, you're going to die of cancer or a heart attack or a stroke. I mean, you know, that's that's sort of the common pathway if we live long enough with nothing else going on. Um, <clears throat> but it does reduce your risk of having it done so or having that happen to you. One thing you can do is Google a Framingham score. And we should do your Framingham score, Tace. You want to do it? Sure. Let's do it. Let's do it. Framingham ham calculator. I'm just doing this on the fly. I hadn't planned on doing this, but I just thought about it. So Let's find out that I'm going to die soon, <laughs> right before I get on a plane. You hear that, ladies? Okay, so you are <laughs> years old, okay, and you are a female, and you are a non-smoker. Excellent. Very good. That wasn't always true. Nope. Do you know what your total cholesterol is? It's terrible. I don't know what it is. I know my HDL is really good, and my LDL is is not so good, but it is controlled on Crestor. Okay. Which I hear Crestor is well, that's pretty the good bomb stuff. diggity. So just give me an estimate of your total cholesterol. I don't was it like two thirty? Like I, yeah, it was bad. Okay, and then your HDL cholesterol was what? Really 60, good. Sixty something, and your blood pressure. Your blood pressure is good, right? It's yeah, it runs. And you're it's not, probably not so great right now. And you're not on blood pressure medication, or no. are you? No. no. Okay. Okay. So there you go. The average ten-year risk for someone your age is one percent. In other words, one in a hundred will have it. Your risk is actually zero point four percent. I don't believe that for a second. <laughs> Why? Because you I'm don't have pretty any heart sure that in your family. my LDL is worse than what you said, and my HDL is better. I'm pretty okay. sure. And um, okay, well let's okay then let's let's do it again. I'm going to use the same numbers and let's make your LDL 300, but your HDL 90. How about that? Okay. Okay. Now it's 0.7, so that did just about double your risk, but still lower than the average. And that's because your HDL is so good. Now let's just say your HDL was down in the pits around 30, where a lot of people's are. Now. All of a sudden, your risk is 2.4%. You're two and a half times normal. So that HDL being good is, in your case, most likely genetic and also due to the fact that you exercise and you drink a little bit of wine, which may also increase your uh, HDL. But I thought if you drank a lot of wine, well, which I have been doing You have been lately. lately. Well, we haven't tested you lately. That um, it made it worse, right? That's right. That's right. I'm not getting blood work for months. <laughs> I mean, I. But it's amazing how much difference the the um, HDL makes. That's the good cholesterol. So it take two seconds to talk about this. So just imagine someone's building a brick, a brick wall, and you've got a brick layer who's laying down brick wall, and then you've got a brick stealer that at night comes along and steals the bricks. If the brick stealer can steal enough bricks, the bricklayer will never finish building the wall, right? Mm -hmm. So think of the LDL as bricklayer. That's the one that's laying down uh, cholesterol in, in, in this is very simplified, in your, inside your arteries. This is how you should talk to people all the time. Well, I do. Okay. Okay. I mean, you know, in I my, mean, you know, in my on, clinical on the practice. Show. Yeah, I'm just saying. Um. So it's like, so the LDL is laying the bricks, trying to clog up your arteries, while the HDL is the brick stealer. So the more brick stealers you have, the less likely the brick layer, which is LDL, will um, uh, be able to complete building that wall, which in this case is going to clog up your coronary artery and cause a heart attack or uh, clog up a carotid artery, which is in your neck, and cause a stroke. So the ideal ratio between the total cholesterol and the HDL, or the good cholesterol, is about 3 to 1. Now, there's more factors involved, 
But for the Framingham study, that's all they looked at. They simplified it, which is great. I love simple stuff. And this really gets you in the ballpark. So just making the adjustment on the HDL made a huge difference in your outcome. Now let's look at mine. So I am 64. I don't mind. And I am not female. I am no longer a smoker either. So I quit in, uh, what, 1999. So I've been off for about 20, what, 21 years now. Uh, my HDL cholesterol, or my total cholesterol was 130. No, surely, God, it wasn't that low. It, it, that won't even let you go that low. Let's say 170. And my a HDL was 40, f no, f uh, 55. Okay, so the average, uh, Jesus, really? I am really old. <laughs> oh, no. So No, no, it's good. The good news is <clears throat> my risk is about half normal but uh the average risk of somebody in my age group is 20 percent i'm taking applications for <laughs> husbands <laughs> but mine is down to 8.1 percent so, so i have less than one in 10 chance of having a heart attack over the next 10 years and we'll just see if this is right oh jeez. i know well honey i'm 64 Ten years from now, I'll be 74. You're going to be married to a 74-year-old man in ten years. <laughs> so, Such a young soul, though. I know. That's right. That's true. Just an idiot. So anyway. So, yeah, I don't know that it's magic, but uh, congratulations. Good job. And the calcium score, look, I, I just have to throw one caveat in. You can't have false negative calcium scores. And uh, this is from uh, Oxford Medical Case Report. It says false negative results of a coronary artery calcium score are common due to small calcified lesions being missed using a three millimeter slice thickness. So they use kind of a thick thickness when they're going through. And a threshold of, don't worry, about 130 Hounsfeld units and a minimum area of blah, 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 but whatever. So you can have um, uh, false negative results. So you could have some coronary artery disease and still have a score of zero. And my old uh, primary care provider said they can have these sort of soft plaques that aren't fully calcified yet, too. And those can also uh, be there and not show up anything. The, the, the gold standard for this is a cardiac catheterization, which, of course, they're not going to do in a person like him who's completely asymptomatic but just at a high risk because it's very invasive. Okay. So good. Congratulations. Good for him. But don't rest on your laurels. You know, you got to continue to mitigate risk because of that strong family. No, history. and you got to make sure you're taking your medicine. I remember one time my blood work came back horrible and they were like the Crestor's not working and I said I've been taking it and then I went to the pharmacist and I haven't taken it in like 6 months. Oh. I've been forgetting to get it filled. So, yeah, you got to stay on top of that. Yeah, so. you know, and I would like to see if someone's on Crestor that that automatically at the pharmacies goes on the remind list so that people don't forget to get it. Because at our pharmacy, if you don't click, "Hey, I want this medication," it'll just expire, you know? So I'm always having to scan and make sure that we're not behind on things. So most pharmacies, though, you can actually tell them, well, you just remind me to refill this. All right. Hey, Dr. Steve. This is Stephen. Hey, I'm Steven. calling because I want to know what the range was. So I got antibodies and I was a 4.9. And is there a range where it goes from, like, 1 to 10? Or is there a range that goes from, like, 1 to 100? That's my question. Thank you. Okay, so I'm trying to decipher this i think this person had a covid19 antibody test and it said it was positive and they just threw out this number and he's absolutely right is it 4.9 on a scale of 1 to 10 4.9 on a scale of 1 to 100 which would you know be very low um 4.9 on a scale of 1 to 10 be right in the middle so when they just throw numbers out like that it's completely useless completely useless without without some context so they need to say, hey, the threshold is less than 0 0.08. Then all of a sudden a 4.9 is a pretty high number. Uh, they need to tell you what that lower threshold is and what they're considering a positive test. So if it was 4.8 and yours was 4.9, there's a possibility that's a false positive for real. So uh, what you need to do is call them back. 
because every test is different. The test that we did didn't give you numbers. They just gave you positive and negative and ask them, hey, what was the range on this? I'm just curious. And then let us know if you find out anything interesting. Okay. Hey, Dr. Steve, I'm listening to your show, and I'm kind of curious. You're talking about some uh, uh, false positives with the COVID testing. My wife works at a, on a COVID floor right now in New York State, and they see a lot of actual uh, uh, false negatives uh, where the patient doesn't test positive, and then a week later during treatment, they're, they're popping positive. Just curious about that and wondering if you could talk about it on the show. Thanks. Give yourself a bill. Okay, so he brings up a good point. No perfect tests. When we were talking about false positive COVID-19 antibody tests, what we were talking about was they really aren't false positive. They're true positives. They're just not positive for what we're looking for. So we want to know, do you have antibodies to SARS-CoV-2? And these tests are looking at coronaviruses. Some of them are very specific for SARS-CoV-2, but there may be some out there, and there's suspicion that some of the uh, early antibody tests were this way, would also cross-react with other uh, coronaviruses. And some of them are quite benign. So if you had a common cold caused by a coronavirus, um, you know, three months ago, you might have had this antibody. And so you think, oh, wow, I'm immune. I had COVID-19 when you really didn't. That's what we were talking about. Now, what he's talking about are most likely polymerase chain reaction. This is where they stick a, a swab up your nose and they're looking for viral genetic material, which is pretty damn specific, right? If that shows up positive, it's going to be pretty specific. The problem with that is it's dependent on how well you um, get the sample, how far up you go, were there virus, enough viral particles there for you to detect it, all that stuff. And those tests have a very high false negative rate. So we've talked about those cases where they thought people were getting reinfected. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. And um, those may be people who had two negative tests in a row and then had a positive test and all three the first two were false negatives and the third one was a true positive now if you have a 20 percent false negative rate the odds that you'll get two negative tests in a row is about four percent right so 0.2 times 0.2 is 0.04 um and so 4% of people who get two tests could have the first one negative and the second one negative, even though they're actually positive. Well, you know, I've heard you talk about in, in the hospital people who um, tested negative, but it's kind of like. Yeah, they obviously it. have. But then I've also heard something <laughs> else that I think we should talk about because it's all over my Facebook is okay. how people how physicians are being incentivized or hospitals are being paid to list the cause of death as COVID on a death certificate. I've seen that all over the place. Now, I'm quite sure that you're not out there lying about what a patient dies of. Well, no, nor am I getting paid differently if if we did that. Now, oh, come I will... on, and you know you get paid to write prescriptions, too. <laughs> I know, it's all Which just is why a... I have to work. It's because also that's be not true. I, but anyway. I, I wish it, but if, I mean, I, I'm an ethical person, so I'm glad it's not true. But there's a part of me that says, I wish it were true that I could get paid just for writing prescriptions because I'd write the hell out of some damn prescriptions, you know. <laughs> but um, I, I can tell you what we have been instructed. We got zero instructions from anyone about how to fill out a COVID-19 death certificate until about a week ago when I got a thing from the uh, Tennessee Department of Health that said, look, if you think that COVID-19 contributed to this patient's demise, then you uh, put it on their death certificate, they will be listed as a COVID-19 death. So let's say you had someone who had congestive heart failure and they get COVID-19, and they decompensate their congestive heart failure, and they actually die of the congestive heart failure. But the COVID-19 was enough of a stress on their body to stimulate this. And we also know that COVID-19 
uh, you know, can affect your Attacks everything. oxygen and it can attack your heart and your kidneys and stuff. So it makes things worse. So those people, um, we are, we were instructed in those cases, if you feel that it was a substantial uh, uh, factor in the patient's demise to put it on the death certificate and they'll be counted as COVID-19. Now, the only financial thing they said was if you don't do this on these people, the families may not be able to get some sort of compensation. I don't know what it is. What what that what I never could figure out what compensation they're talking about, but there may be a fund somewhere if someone succumbs to COVID nineteen that they can get some sort of uh, compensation. I don't I don't know the answer to that you'd think I would, but I'm not an attorney, so maybe we should get an attorney on here um, or a financial person. But anyway, uh, they just said, well, look, we want to make sure that that if COVID nineteen contributed to their demise that it gets put somewhere on there. So in that case with a congestive heart failure person, I might code it uh, like this. So this is you have a principal diagnosis. They died of respiratory failure, secondary to congestive heart failure, secondary to atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease. Contributing factors include uh, SARS-CoV-2 infection. Okay, and then that would be listed as a COVID death. Well, because you, you don't just die For a lot of times purposes. of one thing. That's right. right? So, That's I right. mean, sometimes it takes more than one thing to get you. That's right. But in no way have we been told, hey, you need to put down all these people as COVID-19 cases because we're going to get paid more. Because, uh, you know, the hospital's hurting. I don't know that they're getting paid more for anything right now. Now, the other thing is they did say also that if – you did not have testing, but clinical suspicion for COVID-19 was high, you can code them as COVID-19. You didn't have to have a positive test. And that takes into consideration uh, the fact that some people are are not making it to the hospital and dying, and you're not doing tests on them after they die unless you did an autopsy. And um, that uh, there's a high false negative rate for some of the t- or some of the tests that we're doing. So you go, it quacks like a duck, it walks like a duck, it you know has liquid feces coming out of its cloaca like a duck. It's a duck, you know, and therefore uh, if it's it meets the clinical criteria for SARS-CoV-2 and you don't have a positive test, it's okay to code them that way. But you need to have a a high clinical suspicion. That needs to be documented in the chart. You can't just make it up, you know. So uh, that's how we've been instructed. That is the truth. And if anyone is interested in seeing that letter from the state of Tennessee Health Department, I'd be happy to post it or, you know, let them see it. Well, I'm sure many of my friends on Facebook will fight you over that. (laughs) Well, I I know, but they're just, those are faith-based statements. They're not based on reality, you know, or, or fact. They're just, they believe it to be true, so therefore it's true. And that's a faith-based statement. Mm -hmm. Show me the evidence that we are somehow being, uh, improperly coerced into uh, coding things a certain way and then I'll believe it but I got you know I'm open to being shown the evidence but I haven't seen a shred of evidence that any of this is true all right we got about a minute 19 (laughs) let's see here okay well this is a non-COVID-19 hey Dr. Steve Um, I was wondering is it true that when we die um, that we secrete uh, 28 grams of fluid uh, out of our fluid. orifices. I was watching a movie, and I think they referenced that, and I was just wondering if it's true or not. I don't know if the 28 grams number is is correct. I know when you die, of course, your muscles will uh, tense, called rigor mortis, but then they will relax. And a lot of uh, all the bacteria in your gut continues to grow. As a matter of fact, it starts to digest your your deceased tissue and uh, that can cause a lot of bloating in the abdomen and you can have i mean the funeral directors will tell you you can have explosive emissions from the rectum of you know liquid and some of it is is old stool and some of it is just you know body fluid so we've still got a lot of phone calls left to do maybe we could do some next week uh, thanks always go to my wife, Tacey. She's quite delightful. Thanks for being here. You're welcome. We can't forget Rob Sprantz. Eh, eh maybe we can. He's, eh, mm, eh, we can forget Rob. 
<laughs> can't forget Bob Kelly, Greg Hughes, Anthony Cumia, Jim Norton, Travis Teft, Lewis Johnson, Paul Ofcharsky, Eric Nagel, Roland Campos, Sam Roberts, Pat Duffy, Dennis Falcone, Matt from the Syndicate, a.k.a. Matt Kleinschmidt, Ron Bennington, and Fez Watley, who supported this show, has never gone unappreciated. That was my Larry David impression. Eh. And we can forget them. Yeah, it was just okay. Why do we have <laughs> to saucy. always thank all these people? You're saucy. just so big on it. I don't know. I don't know. Just maybe, I, I have no idea. Uh, just, you know, 15 years I've been thanking everybody at the end of the, the show. The list gets longer and longer. Yes. Why that's right. Well, we have more and more people as, on that list. Why aren't you on that list? Yeah. Because you're here, and I just thanked you. Oh. Okay. I thanked you first. All right. Well, let's, yeah, just, okay. let's just make sure we keep it up. Listen to our SiriusXM show on the Faction Talk channel, SiriusXM channel 103, Saturdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, Sunday at 5 p.m. Eastern, on demand, and other times at Jim McClure's pleasure i'd really like to do some live shows we've talked about that literally for 15 years so maybe we can do that sometime many thanks go to our listeners whose voicemail and topic ideas make this job very easy go to our website at drsteve.com for schedules and podcasts and other crap until next time wash your hands check your stupid nuts for lumps quit smoking get off your asses and get some exercise we'll see you in one week for the next edition of weird medicine bye everybody